How's everyone doing tonight? Uh, my name is Marcus, and I am, yes, I'm a pastor at New Philadelphia Church. I'm the director of creativity and uh, <laughs> at our community. She, uh, she, you know, she botched my title, and that's okay. That's all right. Um, but, no, I'm really glad to be here tonight. Yeah. I haven't been at SNU. I, I actually was a part of Emmaus. Um, I was an exchange student at Yonsei back in, actually, I won't say the year, uh, back in 2000 and, okay, seven, 2007. I know, right? You're looking at me, you're like, man, he looks so young. Like, that's because black people don't age. Like, we, we just, you know, we look better with time. I mean, so does everyone else, but, you know, black people, for, right, wait, right, 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 black people, black people, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. The four of us and the three of us in this room, the three of us. Um, but I'm really glad to be here tonight. Um, it's always my pleasure to be at Emmaus because every time I speak at Emmaus, I'm reminded of my own story. I was an exchange student at Yonsei and I was only a Christian for about six months. And when I was here, I was, uh, I was, you know, I was living quite a life. I was going to Emmaus large groups, you know, on Tuesday nights. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, every other night I would go to Hongdae and go to Shincheon and go to Gangnam. I was a Gangnam boy. Like, I was, like, in Gangnam style, all up in Gangnam. But anyways, God changed me. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm glad to be here tonight. Uh, one quick thing is that when I speak, I like a little bit of interaction, Okay. So you can already notice, I notice like right here, you, you're already feeling nervous, right? <laughs> it's too close, too close, too close. But I'm going to walk around a bit, okay? So um, I hope you're okay with that. And if you're not, that's okay, because I'm still going to do it, okay? So I'm going to walk around a bit. I like a little bit of interaction. So if something resounds in you or something really resonates, you can say amen. If it doesn't, or you're still working through it, you know, just be like, mm, you know, mm. everyone, let's try that. Let's try. Mm, mm, mm. Amen. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. Right. Oh, that's right. Preach it. Preacher. Yeah. Don't say that, please. I, I get so confused. There was this one girl who used to come out to our church and she would stand up and she'd say, say that again. And we'd be preaching like, do, like, do you really want that? Or? Are you like waiting? Like, and so like sometimes we, we'd say it again. We're like, man, Jesus loves you so much. And she'd be like, say that again. And Jesus loves you so much. <laughs> so that interaction, you know, you know, keep that to yourself. Write it down. Um, but I really, I'm really glad to speak, speak here tonight. Uh, today, I want to speak to you on the topic, ugly people. The title of my message tonight is ugly people. I want you to, I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, I know some ugly people. Come on, say it. Come on, say it like you know some ugly people. Some of y'all thought of people just now. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Ugly people. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke. Luke chapter 15. And we're going to read two verses from Luke. And then I'm going to skip around to different verses. Luke chapter 15. And we're going to read verses 1 to 2. Luke 15, 1 to 2. Ugly people. You know, my titles lately of my sermons have been getting more and more, you know, but this one, ugly people. 
Luke 15, 1 to 2. I'm just going to read it. You can look along. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him talking about Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes said, grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Bow your heads. Let me pray for us. Bow our heads. Close our eyes. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you, God, that there's so much that you want to speak to us here tonight at SNU, that there's so much you want to do in us here in this place. And, and God, I ask for your Holy Spirit to come. I ask for your Holy Spirit to come and that, God, you would just really touch us. You would touch us with your spirit. You would break through the walls in our heart and you would move powerfully to change us. Only you can change us. We can't change ourselves, God. Only you can. And so, God, we ask that you would move to touch us in this place. And we welcome your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Stephen, for the water. Ugly people. Mm. You know, the word ugly means unpleasant or repulsive. It means that when you see something, like, I don't even need to give you the definition, right? When I say what ugly is, you probably already started to think of images. When I said ugly people, you may have actually thought of people. And God sees it. I don't see it. But we as human beings, we're, we're naturally, God has wired us in such a way that we're naturally drawn to beauty. I don't know if you've ever thought about it. We're naturally drawn to beauty. Me and my wife, I just got married, right? You know, come on. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on. You know, like, it's good life. It's good. It's good. It's good. You experience it sometime soon, hopefully, like, you know, five to ten years, I guess. Um, but, or maybe sooner, pra- praise God. But uh, me and my wife, we just went to, we went to the East Sea. So we went to the East Coast. And we went there and we went to the beach. And I, I went there and we stepped out and we walked and we saw the beaches on the East Coast of Korea. And if you've ever been there, the beaches on the East Coast of Korea are beautiful. Like we stepped out, we looked and we saw white sand. We saw blue, clear, crystal clear water. Like, I, I don't swim, okay? Like, I, I don't swim, I tan, right? I don't get up in the water. But I was like, oh, my gosh, like, it's so beautiful. Like, I took pictures. Like, I never take pictures at the beach. I mean, we went hiking. We almost got, we almost got stranded, but we went hiking and saw, like, the autumn leaves and everything. And it was just, like, so beautiful. And I was like, man, like, as a human being, we're drawn to beauty, Like when you listen to music, like we're drawn to beautiful voices. We're not drawn to ugly voices unless we want to feel better about our own voice, right? Like in general, we're drawn to people that we think are more successful than us. Some of us, we choose friends that are better looking than us, more successful than us. Or we choose friends that aren't better looking than us so we can feel better about our own looks. Am I the only one? I'm glad we're friends, JP. I'm glad we're friends. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I joke a lot, okay? It's all right to laugh in the presence of God. God is, he is a happy God, okay? Anyways, <laughs> we're drawn to beauty. We're naturally drawn to beauty. And actually, we're drawn to beauty, but we're actually not naturally drawn to things that we would consider ugly. I mean, I was watching a movie last night. I, my wife always talks about this movie called uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. 
Somebody else loves that movie. Some of y'all like this is before my time. If you like romantic comedies, anybody listen like rom-coms, you know, you like, I don't, but my wife really loves them. And so in order to love my wife better, I watched one last night and I was watching it. I was thinking, man, like these people are all like flawless. They have perfect teeth. And then I started to think about how everyone on the magazines, they're beautiful. Like everywhere we go, all the advertisements, beautiful. Everywhere we go, everything we think about, it's all about, quote unquote, beautiful people. And we think we feel like we're drawn to it. And I, I even wanted to show how much we really love beautiful people. So I, I have a few pictures. Yeah, you guys like pictures? Yeah, we got pictures. So, you know, I, I don't I, you see this cover right here. I don't know who this is. Somebody knows right there. There we go. Let's go to the next one. Oh, look at him. Look at ladies, please cover your eyes, cover your eyes, guard your hearts. Yeah. Like (laughs) Johnny McCartney. All right now, but let's go to the next one. Who's that? Scarlett Johansson, right? Like she's so pretty, right? Don't read all the other stuff. Cosmo's so bad. Go to the next one. (laughs) Go next quickly, please. What's that? I don't know if you know this person. She's kind of older now, so they say she's not as beautiful. Julia Roberts. Wow, she's so beautiful. Oh, oh, jo- Joseph, 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 Joseph Dynasty, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Like, look at him. Look at him. Look at his hair, his suit, his tie. Like, I want to be him. Like, gosh. Like, go to the next one. Oh, look. The cover literally says the face. <laughs> like really like you know, go to the next one. Oh, right, here we go. How about you? anybody like Justin Bieber? No, right? No, I, I just put that in there for some, some of you guys, but yeah, let's cut that off. Like we really, we're drawn to beautiful things, but if you think about it, we're also repulsed by things that we consider ugly. We're repulsed by things that we consider to be ugly. We walk by people on the street that we consider to be ugly. The homeless man on the street who's covered in dirt. The prostitute. The person who you think is a sinner. But we're drawn to beauty. We're drawn to beauty. We love beautiful things. We love beautiful people. And that's actually all of us. When you think about it on your Facebook newsfeed, the things that you like ultimately are things that you consider to be beautiful. The things that you dislike are the things that you ultimately consider to be ugly. And there's something about each one of us that's really drawn to beauty. And it reflects the aspect of our hearts. The fact that our hearts, ultimately, we're drawn to things we consider beautiful, but we're, we're turned away by things that we consider to be ugly. But the interesting thing is that Jesus is the exact opposite. See, Jesus is not one who's drawn to beauty and repulsed by ugliness, but we see in the Bible that Jesus is someone who is drawn to ugly. In fact, Jesus is drawn to ugly people. And if you want to experience Jesus, and if you want to know him, if you want to experience his power, if you want to get out of this surface level Christianity, what you have to ultimately realize is that Jesus loves ugly people. He loves ugly people. We see in this passage that it says that Jesus was sitting there, chilling, having 
a McDonald's burger and fries with the tax collectors. Okay, it's my translation. But he's sitting there with the tax collectors and prostitutes. Why? Because Jesus loves ugly people. But the interesting thing is that for many of us, we don't. And if you want to experience him and if you want to know him more and if you want to break through in your Christianity, you've got to realize three things. The first thing, the first thing you need to come to grips with, uh, and I'm, I'm giving you three things so you can write them down. The first thing you need to come to grips with is that you're ugly. That we're ugly. See, if you want to experience Jesus in a greater way, if you want to experience him more, if you want to know God, see, every other religion, God is repulsed by ugliness. But in Christianity, it's the only religion where our God is drawn to ugly people. And if you want to know him, the first thing you got to know is that you're ugly. Now, what I mean, I don't I know there's messages and there's there's areas in the Bible that say, like, you know, he formed your inward parts. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. You know, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, right? You're so beautiful, right? And I've heard sermons about that. I, I believe in those sermons. I look in the mirror and I, I say that to myself. You don't, you should. <laughs> so I get in the mirror. My wife is like, always like, you love yourself. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm just praising the Lord. And, but. The Bible, what the Bible tells us about ourselves is not just that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, but it tells us that from the moment when Adam ate the fruit from the garden, that we were scarred to a point in which you and I now seen in God's sight are known as ugly. See, your form is beautiful. God formed it. You in your essence and image is fearlessly and wonderful fearfully and wonderfully made but who you are in the depths you've got to understand because of sin the bible says is ugly here don't believe me i got some verses romans 3 9 to 12 it says none is righteous no not even one no one understands no one seeks for god all have turned aside together they have become worthless talking about us together we have become worthless no one does good not even one the fool says in his heart, Psalm 14, one to two, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. None. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. But it says they all have turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good. Not even one. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. The word sin, understood in the actual biblical context, meant to be so scarred that to God it was repulsive. And the Bible says that all of us sin. It says that all of us, we miss it. We miss the mark. The Bible says that, that we're completely unpleasant and repulsive in God's sight. That we're ugly. And here's the thing. We know it. You know it. There's a part of you deep down inside that knows it. 
you know, Romans chapter one, verses 19 to 20, you know, there's the reason we're drawn to beautiful things and beautiful people is because deep inside of us, God has put a clear understanding that the way things are in our lives are not the way things should be. So when you see the mountains, when you see beautiful people, when you see people who are successful, when you see great things, there's, there's something that, that revels in it. But then there's another part inside of us that always feels like we miss it, right? Romans 1, 19 to 20 says that what can be known about God is plain. It can be seen in the skies. It can be seen in everything that's been created. There's not a person on this earth who can say that God doesn't exist. Why? Because God has made it so evident in creation. Meaning that I can go to the East Sea and see the blue, see everything that's so beautiful. And I'm like, wow, man, there's God. It means I can go to the mountains and see what's up in the sky and be like, I see the, the mountains and the trees. And I can see the clouds and be like, man, there's a God. I see, when I see my, my beautiful wife, you know, if I saw her for the first time, I was like, there's a God. Because <laughs> beauty attests to God. Beauty attests to God's existence. Beauty attests to the fact that there was someone greater than us who created it. Beauty attests to the fact that there is a standard that exists. But inside our hearts, there is always that place that tells us that we miss the standard. That's why we struggle with comparison. See, the fact that you struggle with comparison and the fact that you love beauty is proof that God exists. Because it's proof that there's a standard that exists beyond you. And you know you missed the mark. You know, the actual word for sin in the Hebrew, it meant like an archer trying to hit a bullseye and missing. That's why we try so hard. That's why some of you, you study night and day. You stress out about class. That's why you look in the mirror and you feel worthless. That's why when you make a mistake, you feel absolutely devastated. That's why when you compare yourself to other people, you feel better than some people, but completely worse than others. Why? Because of the fact that in our hearts, we know we're ugly. We know it. Whatever that is you look at or you think when no one's around. That very thing that you, you think no one sees, but in your heart, there's that witness, man. This isn't, this isn't right. This isn't me. It shows that there's something to be missed. There's something that's not hitting the mark. And so if you want to experience Jesus, yeah, you, you got to admit that you're ugly, but you can't stay there. Because most, most people, you know, everyone on, the, on planet Earth knows that they're ugly. Everyone. Chosen Gordon Levin. Joseph. He knows it. Scarlett Johansson, she knows it. That's why so many pop stars in Korea, they commit suicide. You know why? Because they know it. That's why for so many of us, even though our Instagrams look like we're happy, inside we're miserable. Why? Because we know it. But you can't just know and acknowledge you're ugly. Ultimately, number two, you got to be honest about it. You have to be honest about it. In Luke 15, it says that the Pharisees 
saw Jesus dining with the tax collectors and the sinners, and they were all drawing near to him. And he said, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And everyone knew who the sinners were and the sinners knew who they were. And if you want to experience Jesus, you've got to begin to be honest about the fact that you have these struggles. The Pharisees, on the other hand, the Pharisees, they were people who on the outside looked real nice and clean, real put together. You know, they they wore their cover up. They wore their best, their best outfits. They they put on a mask, but inside they were wasting away. And Jesus said the Pharisees were sons of the devil and he calls the devil the father of lies. And what I realized even as I was preparing this message is that for so many of us, we have this ugliness, but we're really good about lying about it. I'm really good at lying about it. The problem with most of us is that we continuously cover up our weakness, and we cover up our ugliness. We walk into church. We walk into Emmaus. It's Tuesday night. Christian time. Gonna be a Christian. Go to Familia, gotta be a Christian. Outside of Familia, ain't no Christian no more. I can take that mask off. Go around other people, I gotta act this way. I gotta be this way. And there's this ugliness inside of us. There's this area where we know we missed the mark, but we're covering it up. We lie about it. And it's just like Adam in the book of Genesis. Adam, he, his wife Eve, she takes the fruit and, and they eat of it together. And then their eyes are open and they realize that they are naked. They realize they're naked. They'd always been, always been naked. Always had those issues. Always been vulnerable. But they realize it. And then what do they do? They hear God coming and so they hide. So they try to cover themselves up, which is the natural tendency of every human being to try to cover up our vulnerability. And then when God shows up, he's like, Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? He's like, God, he knows where he's at, right? He knows everything. He's like right behind Adam, like, Adam, where are you? You know, like if God, God's omnipresent, right? So he's like, he's technically right beside Adam, like, Adam, where are you? Adam comes out. He's like, hey, hold on. What's going on? Why are you here? He's like, I was naked. And so I was afraid. And so I hid. And then what does God say to him? He says, wait, who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked, Adam? Who told you that you had this area that you needed to cover up, that you could not expose, that you couldn't be vulnerable about? Who told you that you had to put on this mask? And you know what Adam does? He does the first thing that we do to try to cover up our weakness. He blames. He says, the woman you gave me. I imagine Eve standing there like. Like, I I know it because like with my wife, anytime I blame her, it's not good. She's what? Lord, the woman you gave me. I'm thinking it. I don't say it. He, he blames his wife right there. He blames the woman you gave me, gave me the fruit and I ate. And the interesting thing was that it was the truth, right? Eve did give him the fruit, but because he blamed Adam, wasn't lying to God. Adam was lying to himself 
because blame is the lie that we tell ourselves when we don't want to face the truth that we're ugly. So rather than say, you know what? I do struggle here. You know what? I do make these mistakes. You know what? I do mess up. Instead, we blame other people. You know why I'm angry? Because this happened to me when I was a kid. You know why I struggle with this? Because this happened. Because this person did this. Because this person did this. And what we're saying and what Adam was saying was that, God, it's not me. It's my wife. If you'll change my wife, then everything will be good. Because he didn't want to admit to the fact that it was actually, he was right there. See, Adam actually didn't tell God the truth. He told God a half truth. Because the full truth would have been, you know what, God? Actually, I was standing there the whole time. I heard the serpent talk to my wife and actually I believed it too. And so I didn't speak up when I saw my wife sin. I just thought, you know what? Maybe I can take some too and not have to pay the responsibility. He blamed his wife. He lied. Because he didn't want to really face the fact that inside of him was some stuff that he didn't like. You know, I do this. We do this. I do this. I, I blame my family. I grew up in an abusive household. First 15 years of my life. Abuse. And there's so many times in my life where I struggle to, and I blame those who, who sinned against me. Yeah, you know what? If I didn't have that stepdad, then I wouldn't have that issue. If my mom would have been stronger, I wouldn't be like this. If I had a, if I had a better, if my friends were better, if my opportunities were better, all while creating this circle of lies around myself, because I don't want to see the fact that at my root, I'm flawed. So when I meet up with my pastor, what do I say? How are things going? I mean, things could be better, but you know, if that, because this person did that and this person, we do that all the time because we don't want to face the fact that, man, maybe there's something wrong here. You know, when I was in college, I told you, like, I came here in 2007. Before that, before I met God, I was in a, my testimony was I was atheist for six years. And during that time, I was, I dated around a bit. Okay, you know what? I'm talking about telling the truth. Okay, listen. I, I dated like three, four different girls in, in college. And I remember that when the last relationship ended, my mom was driving me home. It's because it was during a fall break. So it was around this time. My mom was driving me home and she's like, hey, uh, what's going on with so-and-so? And I was like, mom, she crazy. That's exactly what I said. Mom, she's crazy. We broke up because she is out of her mind. And mom was like, huh, she's crazy. Yeah, mom, very crazy. She's so crazy. Glad we broke up. I said, okay. Um, what about so-and-so before? She was crazy too, right? <laughs> She was so crazy. Let me tell you about her. She was crazy. And mom's like, wow. Hey, but what about the first girl? She was like so nice, but you guys broke up too, right? Mom, she was nice, but she was crazy. 
And then my mom looks at me. She's like, oh, they were all crazy. And all those relationships, they were all crazy. I said, that's right, mom. She's like, hmm, three different girls, and they're all crazy. Who's the common denominator in those relationships? I was like, you calling me crazy, mom? But you know what? That was truth. (laughs) I was spending so much time blaming other people that I wasn't taking the time to deal with what was actually going on in me. And if if you don't change, nothing changes. So you can blame everyone around you, but if you don't change, nothing changes. The second thing is denial. See, if blame is what we do to try to, to cover up ourselves from the truth of our sin, Denial is what we use to try to cover up ourselves from the truth of sin's consequences. And so when we sin, right, we blame other people. We always say all these other things. But then whenever someone sins against us or whenever something happens against us or whenever bad things happen, you know what we do? We deny. Or maybe we've committed a sin and there's these consequences that we're going to have to face. And we say, you know, what? it's going to be all right. I ain't got to tell nobody. I don't have to do anything about it. It's going to be just fine. And we deny it. And we just completely deny it. And we act as if, you know what, it never happened. Even when people sin against us, you know what we say? You know what? It doesn't even matter. It's okay. I don't care. And what we do is we lie to ourselves in order to try to keep ourselves once again protected from the fact that we're weak. We're vulnerable. That even sometimes we can be hurt. You know, if I'm honest, this is something I struggle with. Something God's been teaching me lately is that I have a tendency to to deny anytime something negative happens to me. Someone says something mean to me or someone puts me down or I go through a tough time and someone's like, hey, how's it going? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm fine. Man, I heard that you, you look really tired. You've got triple bags under your eyes. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm completely fine. I'm energetic. Oh, you know? <laughs> Just constant denial. Denying. Always denying. How, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? What's happening? Ah, oh, everything's good. That's like the primary thing that Christians say. How's everything? Good. Oh, I'm just fine. When everything in your life is not good. Maybe there's some sins that you're struggling with that aren't good. That's wrecking your life. But because we don't want to see our own ugliness and our own vulnerability, we deny it. You know, something maybe some of you guys do that I do is when I realized lately God confronted me this past weekend. Right. I had this amazing trip. And then when I was, I was there talking to God, God came to me and said, Marcus, you're a liar. I said, I said, devil, <laughs> I bind, get away from me, Satan, you know? And he's like, no, no, Marcus, you're a liar. I said, God, what do you mean? He said, because every time you go through something, you lie. Every time you've got a struggle, you lie. Every time you're in a pit, you lie. Just so you can get yourself out. You think, if I could 
I can just keep lying long enough for me to get out. And what he says is, he told me, you know what? The only person that suffers is you. And he's like, Marcus, lying is a sin. <laughs> the fact that you have to lie is proof that there's something really wrong in your heart. I was like, snap, God. He's like, Marcus, maybe, maybe you're a little angry. It's like, I'm angry? What am I angry about? Maybe you're disappointed. Maybe you've been feeling disconnected. It's like, God, what are you talking about? It's like, God, no, I'm good. I'm good, God. I'm good. He's like, Marcus, you really don't want to face the fact that you're ugly? Because if you don't face the fact that you're ugly, there's no way for me to heal you. See, Jesus won't touch the sins you cover. Adam had to come out from the bush before God could actually cover him with real clothes. Oh, I'm stressed. Maybe you feel like you just fall short in school. Maybe you just feel like you fall short in your family. Maybe you feel like everything in your family is actually going wrong right now. And all you've been doing is denying, 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 denying. You know, there's this verse, 1 John 1, 9, right? Well, there's a verse that comes right before it. 1 John 1, 8. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? We, we love that verse. Christians love that verse. I will conf if I confess my sin. If I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to cleanse me. And so we use that verse when we're by ourselves, right? Okay, um, Jesus, I did this. And then when you're around everyone else, we lie. But First John 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, we lie to ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness it's when we admit to god that's when everything changes see the third thing you have to do is you can't just because some people they say that oh you know what i'm ugly oh yeah i'm so jacked up and then they're really honest about it you know those people they never stop talking about it so they're because they're so honest and they're always complaining. And it's like, okay, I know you're jacked up, but how many times are you going to tell me you're jacked up, right? But people who do that, they constantly stay in their sin. But what you have to do, the last thing you have to do is you ultimately have to bring it to God. You have to confess it before God and before man. You actually have to begin to be honest before God and say, God, I'm actually dealing with this. God, this is actually happening in my life. God, this is actually what's going on. You've got to actually bring it to Jesus. Because then when you bring your ugliness before Jesus, the Bible says in Isaiah 61, it says that when we bring God our ugliness, you know what he gives us? Beauty. See, Jesus loves ugly people because when Jesus comes to ugly people, he makes ugly people beautiful. 
See, Jesus loves to come before those who are honest about their ugliness, who are willing to confess it in their familiar, willing to confess it at the altar, willing to tell him about everything that's going on. Because when Jesus touches that ugliness, he always turns that ugliness into beauty. It's because when Jesus walked the earth as a sinless man, you know, the Bible says that Jesus actually wasn't good looking. Did you know that? It says that he didn't look like Brad Pitt. It says that he looked like I ain't going to say anybody's names, but he just looked normal. (laughs) I was about to say JP. (laughs) JP, you're so good looking, man. Um, But it says that he didn't look like Brad Pitt. David, it talks about whenever in the Bible it talks about a person's features, most of the time it only talks about them if they're unbelievably beautiful. David, it says that he was handsome. It talks about Esther being beautiful. Rachel being beautiful. Now her sister, not so much, but it talks about Rachel being beautiful. It talks about, it makes a point in the Bible, but with Jesus, it's the one person it makes a point to say he looked absolutely normal. And he walked the earth and he lived this sinless life. But when Jesus was on the cross, you know what he was doing? You know why Jesus loved to spend time with ugly people? Because he knew that he was going to go to the cross. And when he went to the cross, he was going to take on all of our ugliness. All of our ugliness got put on him. It says that he was beaten to a, he was beaten into a way in which he was disfigured. You couldn't recognize him. He was absolutely ugly. And he took on all of that. So that. Right now, you and I can bring it before him and receive back beauty. See, the cross gives us the safety to actually be honest about our ugliness. Because Jesus is standing there saying, I've already taken it. I'm right there. So are you willing to bring it? See, Jesus took on all of our ugliness. It says that we get a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Depression is an ugly thing. Self-hatred is an ugly thing. Comparison, that's ugly. Don't think I'm just, I'm not just talking about physical things here. Let's not be shallow tonight. Lying, cheating. Sexual immorality, sleeping around because deep in your heart you feel worthless, that's ugly. Lust, that's an ugly thing. So many of us, we we lie about it, but Jesus is right there saying, if you will bring to me what you've got, what I give you in return, it's going to be beautiful. You guys went to the Maranatha. You had the Maranatha retreat, right? And Maranatha means come Lord Jesus. But in the Bible, it says, draw near to him. He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. You know what that's talking about? It's talking about bringing him your ugliness. Bringing him whatever's wrong. Whatever's ugly. Maybe it's a sin that you've been struggling with that you haven't 
told anyone. Maybe you, you have, but you're still not broken free. He says, you know what? Just draw near to me and I'll come. Maranatha is not a retreat. It's meant to be a lifestyle. And it comes each time you come before. It says, I'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That word holy un- without unrighteousness, that means to be holy. It means to be without flaw. Set apart. He makes you perfect. Christians are the most beautiful people because not because they are the best looking, not because they have it all together, not because of any of that. Christians are the most beautiful people because they're the ones, the sole people on the earth who are most honest about their ugliness and have received beauty from the only one who can give us beauty. But he wants to continually bring you through that. Let's pray. I'm going to just ask John here to just to just strum on the guitar a bit. And I'm going to give you guys time to respond. But we're going to do something a little different. You know, first John one eight says it says if you say that you have no sin, if you say that you don't have any ugliness in your life, he says you're lying to yourself. He says you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. But if we confess our sins, if we confess our ugliness, Maybe it's something you did this past week. Maybe it's something you did today. Maybe it's a thought that you had. Maybe it was a thought. Maybe it was a thought like I hate myself. Maybe it was a thought like, you know what? I'm hiding what I really feel. I actually feel angry. I feel upset. Now, some of us, we grew up in households where showing negative emotion was always punished with pain. And so we think that to come before God and say, God, I'm angry. God, I'm hurt. God, I'm confused. We think what God's going to respond with is pain. We think that if we come before God and say, God, you know what? I slept with that person. What Jesus is going to return back with his pain. Or I looked at that. I did that. I thought that. I said that. I gossiped. But Jesus hung out with tax collectors. And prostitutes. Meaning he's not intimidated. And he's not afraid. He's just saying, hey, you want to come? You want to hang out? Because <laughs> the interesting thing is everyone who hung out with Jesus. They always got changed. That's why they kept hanging out with him. But it's time to stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to yourself about what's really going on and, 
And for some of you to stop lying to your familiar leader, stop lying to God. So I'm going to invite the staff to come up right now. And I'm going to have the staff just line up. And we're going to do something a little different. I'm just going to open this time for confession. Maybe there's something that you did or something you thought or something that you've been struggling with. And you hearing even this message today, you're thinking, man, I don't, this is ugly and I don't want to continue to deal with this. The first step in dealing with it is you got to bring it out. You got to stop trying to deal with it on your own. You got to bring it to Jesus. And so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to open up the altar for you to just come up and the staff. They're just going to listen. They're not going to try to counsel you. They're not going to give you advice. They're going to listen and then they're just going to pray for you. And God's going to encounter you so powerfully. He's going to touch you so powerfully. So right now, I just want to open it up. Come on up to the front. To any of the staff and just to just share with them whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with. Just open it up right now. Just come on up.